Hey there, homies. This is Sarah. And homies, nope. <laughs> this is just Ashley. Hi. Just Ashley. Apparently. Oh, and this is Hometown Homicide. <laughs> I forgot sure. what this was. Sure is. Oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Snack time? Oh, I scared you. Never mind. You're not eating. She says, yeah, I think I will. Yeah. That's fine. Coco, Loco. It's not a train, so. (laughs) Hope everyone had a lovely week. There were some wicked storms, apparently, last night. I slept through them, so whatever. I did not. I had a branch come down last weekend, though. You had a what? Branch. Oh, I thought you said something brain. No, no brains. No brains. None over here either. (laughs) But to a wedding last night. I'm not hungover because I had to drive home, so I did not do that. Um, I'm just tired because I was out much later than I normally am. (laughs) And then I did get woken up by the storms three times. One time, my bed was shaking. That is how powerful the thunder was. It was ridiculous. But yeah, it was fun. I mean, too many people for me. (laughs) Like, they invited, like, the entire small town I'm from. And there was, it was like a high school reunion of people who have not changed since high school. Which were going on almost 20 years my classes i made a comment on something i was like are we having a 20-year reunion like i had not heard of anything i think i said that before to you i know i said it to some people like i don't know if we're having one or if we're not having one or if they just didn't want to invite me like whatever but no they're trying to still have it now they're thinking like labor day weekend or some shit but it's good to see some people and talk to them but I was like I'm out and it's an ought to not to be mean or anything like that but I feel like the rudest and snobbiest people there were the parents of people I went to high school with hmm. one literally like shoved me out of the way with her elbow and hit me in the tit <laughs> and I was like and I said it out loud I said Jesus effing Christ, don't need to be rude. You could have asked, like, politely said, excuse me. But, and. Damn. I was like, that actually was super rude. And I looked right at her when I said it. Uh, like, so, I don't have time for that bullshit. I was like, okay, I had enough small town. I'm out. I'm driving the 50 some minutes home. Bye. That's the thing. Like, I didn't want to go to the fair because. I didn't go to the fair. It's because hot. of that. It's expensive. I mean, honestly, Jones County Fair is the most fucking expensive fair. Um, but yeah, I, the amount of people, even if it's not people I know, but then also I have a couple drinks and then probably mouth off to someone that pissed me off like that. Now, what if Kesha was playing the Jones County Fair? Would you be oh, there? Oh, God. Mm. I probably would go. I probably would have to go. 
and that's not a probably. That's I'd have to go. What if it was the close. hottest day? Don't care. The, like yesterday. Don't care. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just checking. No, no, I don't care. I mean, it would like physically suck, but I would, I would have to go. That's what I thought. Just one update. It's not even a thing we covered, but I know last week I mentioned the family that was slaughtered by that asshole at the Makokota Caves. Oh, yes. Did you see the nope, update about that? I did not. So it was the Schmidt family, um, the mom, Sarah, the dad, Tyler, 42 years old each, and the daughter, who was six years old, Lula, Originally, they just said that they were shot. Tyler Schmidt, 42, died from a gunshot wound and, quote, multiple sharp force injuries, while his wife, 42-year-old Sarah Schmidt, died from multiple sharp force injuries. And then the six-year-old daughter, Lula, died from a gunshot wound and strangulation. So this fuckface didn't just go in there and shoot and luckily miss Arlo. He had to have fucking purposely left that little boy like i don't i don't know how else i don't know how else and not that shooting someone obviously is not all of murder is bad but at least quote quote if he just went in and kind of shot blindly obviously that's tragic but like he clearly went in with the full intent to do this yes like hands-on murder but how did he how was he able to take the lives of three separate people without one of them interjecting. Maybe they tried and that's when they stab, he stepped. But how do you have a gun know. and a knife? I feel like or maybe maybe he stabbed the mom to death first, which would be quieter, you know, if dad was sleepy out of it and like not paying attention or you know, not not paying attention, but like coming awake. I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, the girl, she could have just been petrified and sitting there and easy target, but... Terrible. It's fucking bonkers. And then, you know, he went and took care of his own life, so nobody could get real justice. I guess I didn't read into it much, just I knew that this guy had no connection with him. Like, he was camping with his parents out there, too, at Makokoda. And he killed himself. Let me see. Died from self gun, self-inflicted gunshot wound after the attack in their tent. So he killed himself in their tent. Like he went back to his family's tent. No, like in excuse me, in the Schmidt's tent. It sounds like. So after I he thought they killed, found his body somewhere else because they thought there was someone at large that did this, and then they found his body. Not near the tent. That's what I originally read. Well, of course, we also originally heard that they were all shot, too. And I don't know if maybe they, like, went back and realized he wasn't part of that family, like, and just things got misconstrued. But this one says, the department confirmed Thursday that the killer was Anthony Sherwin of La Vista, Nebraska, who died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound after the attack on the family early on the morning of July 22nd in their tent at the Makoka Caves State Park campground. And that he was at the park camping with his parents at the time of the attack. Again, all the thoughts and prayers and good vibes to Arlo. My story, this one, I have heard so many things about growing up 
because this happened next door to my aunt and uncle's house. Yeah. I was there swimming a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh yeah, that couple. And so started talking about it, started doing research. So my story begins on the morning of January 30th, 1975, on a quiet street in a small town of Anamosa, Iowa. I just liked how I did that. <laughs> no, it was very dramatic. Greg Holub, 24, walked into his mother Patricia and his stepfather's. Do you know Greg, Greg Holub? Well, uh, Holub, that's what. Just sounds really familiar. Why, like, we, super we got a shit familiar. ton of them over in Monty, so. So he walked into the house of his mom, Patricia, his stepdad, Clarence, after Clarence didn't show up to pick him up for a construction job, where he found both his mother and Clarence dead from apparent gunshot wounds. In an interview that Greg provided, he said it was about 7.10 that morning. The lights were still on in the house, along with the TV, and the doors were closed. He went in and saw his stepfather laying on his back in the living room. There was some blood, but as soon as he touched him, he knew he was dead and had been there for some time because of how cold he was. Then he found his mother laying on her back in the back porch, maybe about 10 to 15 feet from her husband. Plane. No, it was a vehicle. Sound like a... Sound like a crotch rocket. Mm-mm. But yeah. <laughs> there wasn't any evidence of a struggle besides an upset bookshelf. Three cartridge cases from shells that had been shot were found, so they think they were both shot with a rifle of a large caliber. And Clarence didn't own and Clarence didn't own a rifle that Greg knew of. After Greg found the bodies, he ran outside to the car where another member of the construction crew, John Dirks, from Fairview, was waiting in the car and told him to drive to the police station. Now, I don't know why he didn't pick up a phone, but if you're in a state of shock. Yeah. There were no cell phones in 1975. Right. Right now, I don't want to disturb anything, too. Now, Patricia Edwards was described as a friendly and outgoing person that everyone liked. She sang every Sunday in the Methodist Church Choir. Jones County Sheriff Ralph Albaugh knew Patricia through her work at the prison and said she was a wonderful person. The slaying of Clarence and Patricia was just another tragedy for the family. Two years prior to this, Patricia and Clarence's, they had two kids together. Greg Mm. was from Patricia's former marriage. Mm -hmm. Their son and daughter, James, was 18, and Sheila was 15. They were both killed in separate car accidents a month a month apart oh, in the fall of 1973. Oh, my God. How terrible. Yeah. To lose both your kids, I mean, that you guys had together within a month. Yeah, that sucks. So the night before this happened, on January 29th, Ronald Brewer... 35, a council bluffs, who at the time was serving a life term for second degree murder at the Iowa Men's Reformatory at Anamosa, where Patricia also worked as a secretary in the educational program of Kirkwood Community College of Cedar Rapids. 
It, mm. That's what it was called then. Kirkwood hmm. Community College of Cedar Rapids. Interesting. Where she had been there for almost three years. According to the Des Moines Register, from what prison guard Herb Pennock of Anamosa told them, Brewer was to teach a CPR class at the Anamosa High School to bus drivers. He had done this many times. And I have this all in a paragraph that I deleted, so I may be missing information. While at the high school, Brewer asked to go to the bathroom, and he was allowed to do so. Um, and then about 6.15, 6.20-ish that night, Pennock looked out the school door and noticed Brewer in the front seat of his car, of Pennock's car, because he was the one who took him from the reformatory to the high school. Mm-hmm. He was his ride. Mm-hmm. Brewer mentioned for Pennock, like motioned excuse me he motioned for Pennock to come to the car so he did and when he got there brewer pointed the rifle pointed to the rifle that was in the vehicle and told him to get in and drive off hmm. that's when he drove him to dubuque and then they continued to drive around town for 30 minutes before another car stopped and brewer got out and got into the other vehicle Pennock then went to the dubuque police station and called the prison at about 8 45 p.m to report the escape and also said that he was kidnapped, that he made him do it. Mm-hmm. The warden um, at the men's reformatory at Anamosa said Brewer was classified as a minimum security prisoner mm. because, you know, taking the life yeah. of someone else, you know, qualifies you for minimum, minimum security. Right. And his record is what they would normally call a model inmate. And because he had an emergency medical technician status that allowed him out of the prison walls under guard supervision about 50 to 60 times for classes. So he was allowed outside a lot. Yeah. After the bodies of Patricia and Clarence were found, the FBI issued a warrant for Brewer's arrest on a charge of unlawful flight to avoid confinement. One FBI agent had reason to suspect Brewer might have left the state. The Iowa Bureau of Criminal Investigation sent six agents to the crime scene, stated they weren't saying there was a connection between the deaths and the escape of the convict, but they were leaving their options open. Brewer was considered to be armed and dangerous, and anyone who was to see him should contact the nearest law enforcement agency right away. The escaped convict was described as about 5 feet 7 inches and 145 pounds, with blue eyes and brown hair. He also had three fingers amputated from his left hand. Hmm. don't know which ones. Um, and he had two tattoos, a red heart, a scroll with the word mom tattooed in it, and his initials RWB on his upper left arm. Pennock's lawyer said Brewer and Pennock had become like friends over the years since Pennock became a guard at the prison in 1972. Pennock was suspended with, with pay after Brewer escaped, pending an investigation. Hmm. Apparently, Pennock even had Brewer over to his home for Thanksgiving dinner, which to me, I find super inappropriate yeah. as a guard yeah. to do. Like, he's in there for murder. Mm-hmm. Might be second degree, but, like, he Even murdered. if it's for stealing a bag of Cheetos, you know, minus the setting, trying to set the gas station on fire. But even if it's for stealing, you know, a 
fucking candy bar. He's still an inmate. Right. Like, nah, bruh. Now, Ronald Brewer, he was born July 20th, 1939. He was sentenced to life in prison on December 2nd, 1963, after pleading guilty to second-degree murder for the slaying of Lawrence Ray, 22, with a rifle in August 1963. He was moved from the Iowa State Penitentiary in Fort Madison to a medium-security facility at Oakdale before being transferred to Anamosa the August of 1971. Now, the autopsy results showed Patricia was shot twice, once in the chin and once in the back. Clarence was shot in the chest. The shootings were done with a high-powered rifle. Now, Pennock had given the story to investigators. He was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Ron Brewer made him do this. That's not actually what happened. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, according to State of Iowa versus Brewer, the night of... January 29th, Pennock picked up Brewer at the prison to go to the high school. Mm-hmm. Two days earlier, Pennock had purchased a rifle and ammunition at Brewer's request. At an inmate's request who, had, who was serving a life sentence for murder with a rifle. According to Pennock, Brewer told him he needed the rifle and the ammunition in order to escape with Patricia. And he needed the rifle to ward off Edwards. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Clarence, Mr. Mm-hmm. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Pennock then gave the rifle to Brewer, and after they unloaded the class equipment, drove him to the, drove him to and dropped him off at the Edwards house. Hmm. So just took him right there with a the gun and ammunition. Lovely. Before he returned back to the high school. A short time later, Brewer returned back to the high school and confessed to Pennock that he shot the Edwards. Pennock did what any prison guard would do, and that was to drive Brewer to Dubuque, which was about a good 45 minutes away, and dropped him off with another person, then called authorities to tell him he had been kidnapped. So Pennock was arrested, and he was held in Jones County Jail on a $2,500 bond following an interrogation concerning Brewer's escape. He was charged for giving a false testimony while under subpoena. Mm-hmm. Pennock had served four years in a California prison on a manslaughter conviction and paroled before becoming a corrections officer at Animosa. I'm sorry. Why would you hire someone as a CO if you're a fucking convicted? He wasn't the only one. Jesus Animosa hired multiple convicted, convicted felons. And I mean, reform can happen. Like, I get that. Okay. Whatever. But, like, in the case of someone is dead because of you, and then you get to be hired to, to be in charge of mm-hmm. other criminals. Well, Pennock was being held in Jones County. Brewer was still on the loose, and the FBI continued to check out reported sightings of Brewer, including one report that he was seen in Wisconsin. Pennock did plead guilty to a federal charge of using false identification in buying a 30 caliber buying a 30 caliber rifle. He ended up serving 15 months in a federal prison. Now, the warden at Anamosa was warned on January 24th that Brewer might try to escape. Oh, really? After a Council Bluffs police officer called the reformatory saying that an informant had told them that Brewer was thinking of escaping. So he's from Council Bluffs. Mm-hmm. That's where he killed um, that young man, mm-hmm. Lawrence Ray. 
So privileges allowing Brewer to go outside of the prison were suspended immediately, but reinstated the next day. Oh, Jesus Christ. After the informant said he made a mistake. What the fuck? Yeah. Who made that informant say he made a mistake? They did not name the informant. Uh Uh-huh. They kept that confidential. Ronald Brewer was arrested at the Greyhound bus station February February 25th. Damn, he was gone for almost a month. Yeah. He faced two murder counts for the deaths of Patricia and Clarence. Which, where, what Greyhound station? So, when I read this, it did not say, but it said that the article was from Phoenix, Arizona. So, I don't know if he made it down to Phoenix Hmm. or if that's just where Where the report came from. It'd be strange to release an article that far away if it had nothing to do with that location, but... It was still an Iowa newspaper, but it said Phoenix, Arizona then. So I'm guessing Phoenix, but I tried to search for more articles, and of course I Hmm. could not find them. Provocative. Okay. Because it took me forever to even find when he was arrested, Hmm. when he was caught. Now, he was facing two counts of murder for both Patricia and Clarence. Brewer denied shooting Patricia and Clarence and also denied charges of his, of escaping. You were caught almost a month you, later. You, but you're you... supposed to be in jail, bruh, and you're not, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you explain that? Now, Brewer was only charged for murder of Clarence and not Patricia. And I found out why, but during the six-day trial... The defense for Brewer attempted to create reasonable doubt in the minds of the jury that Brewer had committed the ki- the killing. So this was Clarence's trial because they were going to do separate trials, mm-hmm. one for Clarence, one for Patricia, which I don't know why they would do that. It would make I sense to do... I think sometimes it'd be a matter of... Uh, well, fuck, I don't know. I don't know you could chart in the same trial, you could still charge them like with separately like so for some reason Mm -hmm. he was found not guilty the one so yeah i don't know budget i don't know so they pointed out that there was no weapon there were no fingerprints found or eyewitnesses to the killing all physical evidence points to someone else herbert pennock so they think he did it because he was known for lying Mm mm-hmm The only evidence of motive was from Pennock's testimony that Brewer was going to run away with Patricia, but all other witnesses testified there was nothing between Brewer and Patricia. Now, I did read that she did write a letter because he he was one of her students Mm -hmm. at the penitentiary Mm -hmm. to get him released. But if you're serving a life term and haven't been there very long, I don't know why she would write a letter f- stating he should be released. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he had the possibility of parole and she was kind of giving him a... All I can think of is a um, recommendation letter and that's that's for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like a character right. letter type deal. I don't know. But anyways, there was nothing. No one could link the two together besides he was her student. 
Brewer was given a mandatory life sentence in the Fort Madison State Penitentiary for the murder of Clarence Edwards. He was found guilty by Lynn County District Court. The charge that he killed Patricia was dropped. Brewer requested to be tried for the third murder charge. But Iowa Attorney General Richard Turner denied the request because he was already serving two life sentences, and why would they seek a third life sentence? We can punish you no further, he said. I mean, yeah, why waste people's time and money? That's why I don't know why they didn't do two of them together. At the same time. Yeah, I don't know. And the last little piece of information is a few years later, Brewer then sued the state of Iowa for $2 million for hiring a guard who aided his escape and who had a background of manslaughter and had served time. It was a whole thing, and I can't figure out. I couldn't find if he won. I'm assuming he didn't. Well, even if he did, what the fuck's he going to do with $2 million in jail? In prison. Yeah. Like, so that is oh my God. the story of Clarence and Patricia Edwards. Didn't know their names before. All I knew was the story. We spent a lot of time growing up next to this house. <laughs> Heard about it. Just I just knew that an inmate escaped and killed two people because they were going to run away together. That's what I heard growing up, <laughs> so I... I had to find out more. And yeah. yeah, prison guard who also served time but was paroled, helped him escape, gave him the weapon to commit the murder, dropped him off at the house, and then was like, oh, I was kidnapped. Jesus. And when I'm swimming, I can see the porch. Yeah. Or Mrs. Patricia Edwards. Life was taken. I'm so a, sad. Yeah. I'm assuming since it's, you know, a bajillion years later that this guy's dead by now. Inmate who killed Pear in 1975 dies in prison. Inmate Ronald Brewer, 68, who escaped in 1975 and killed an Anamosa couple in their home, died Mm. Tuesday at the Iowa State Penitentiary after a long illness with advanced lung disease. Mm. Sucks to suck. This uh, was the Des Moines Register... March 20th, 2008. Good. Welcome. That was my first story coming back after the move. Hey. Well, thank you, Ashley. Yeah. It was very informative. I have a bug bite on my toe. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I was itching. I'm like, what's going on down there? Make sure you do hit the subscribe. If you do like what you hear, tell us why. We love to hear that. Mm-hmm. And Missy... I was just going to say, Missy, congrats again on the, the merch Yep, winning. and she's getting a t-shirt order for what she likes. Mm-hmm. But that's all I got. Like, comment, subscribe. Do it Do it all, please. Like us, love us, share us. Oh, BG Dubs, I forgot for a whole week to tell you that we had finally a fucking hit in Wyoming. Oh. And then the other day, we got one in... Fuck, which state is that? They're probably out east. They're Rhode Island Siamese twins, or one of them things called. Oh, New Hampshire. We got a hit in New Hampshire. I knew it was one of the two that mm-hmm. were together, but I couldn't remember which one was which. Awesome. So now we're down to three. We're only down to three states that don't have a hit: Vermont, Rhode Island, and Alaska. Cool, cool. But yeah, thanks, guys.
Uh, remember, we want to tell stories to you and not about you. So stay safe. And this was Hometown Homicide.